Today's episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast is brought to you by AOS Outdoor Kitchens. They are the South's leading outdoor kitchen design and installation specialists. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast. Today we're speaking to Charles from SoCal Barbecue, who's also one of the great minds behind the Sizzle Fest. So there's some fantastic things for us to talk about and learn more about what it's like running a barbecue business. So without much further ado, here's Charles. Welcome, Charles. It's fantastic to have you on the podcast. We're so excited to talk to you about barbecue business so can you just introduce yourself and, and, and where you're from, please, Charles? Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank, first of all, thanks for the invite, guys. Um, yeah, so my name's Charles, Charles Rams here. Um, I'm from a company called SoCal. Uh, we're based in Southampton, so right on the south coast in the middle. And um, we're, a, we're a number of things, but predominantly for, from this perspective, we're, we're a barbecue store. So we just love and do anything and everything barbecue 12 months a year. Great. It's what I said. It's fantastic to have you on. We're really excited to talk to you about all things barbecue. But for us, I think for the first time on the podcast, really kind of get into the the kind of businessy side side of you know uh, a barbecue shop. So sure. f- first and foremost, h- how long have you actually had the barbecue shop running? Yeah, for? it's interesting. So that the, so I can go back in time. Um, the actual business is traditionally uh was a business my father bought took over he had another business and he bought the business from Calagas. so it was like a Calagas depot if you like so the main core of business from 1989 was a gas distribution company and i um left school went to i had a part-time job for wa smiths and then went I uh, wanted to do a bit more, went to work for Lloyds Bank for a bit. And he said to me, look, we've got an opportunity here to do more with this. Um, it's coming along nice. It's, it's, it's sort of starting to, to shape up, but I need some support. So I came into the business in the early 90s. And um, I've always loved barbecue. And we'll probably go into that in a bit more detail. But the business was great from my perspective, looking at the barbecue angle, is that it was very, very winter heavy. So the gas business was very much gas was sold for heating. So... In the 90s, it was a little wheel around portable heaters that people had as that uh, backup to heating if they didn't have central heating or just spot heating. And then you've got people that run their, their, their main central heating on it, and there's lots of uses for it um, without going to too much detail to boil on, on gas distribution. <laughs> but the key here was oh, we made all our money between um, October when the weather changed and people start looking at putting the heating on November time through till March and Easter time when it started warming up and um, there was less less business. So from Easter through till October, that was the time where um, we had less business. And in fact, a lot of the staff, originally they had extra staff. We had a, set, a key set of staff, but you had extra staff that you would bring in that worked through the winter. You didn't then keep on all year round. So my motivation was trying to find something that we could keep that business going and just flatten out the curve. Um, and so just fitted straight away into leisure and, and barbecue was the obvious. Um, and it was bang on the right time because just as we kicked into that, you know, the gas barbecue was growing and it, and it tied in exactly with the business. Mm-hmm. And was it still 
mainly gas, you know, when you started, started kind of the barbecue element in, in that summer to bridge the gap, was it really only gas that you were kind of delving into or did you straight away start with, you know, charcoal as well? Yeah, I, I think it, it, I was just, I was having this thought the other day and um, the only barbecues available to buy were the, the, a lot of, funny enough, a lot of British made barbecues. There's a brand called Kirkley's that were up in Yorkshire. There's a couple of other brands, um, but they were really pressed steel bolt together things or the hibachi style charcoal um there wasn't anything of any decent quality that was charcoal weber existed but not really in the uk as yet um a few people imported them but they weren't they weren't distributing in the uk uh and so you're uh, when gas barbecues came along they were actually quite futuristic quite modern quite interesting did a lot more you suddenly had that enclosed capsule so you could you could control a lot more so it's it's easy for us to not gas barbecues, um, but from the British model, the gas barbecue probably grew the whole barbecue market and certainly opened the door for the charcoal barbecue to to make an appearance in the in the in the style that we all know as something like a Weber kettle. Being having the business and seeing that evolution, obviously there's been a huge explosion in kind of that side of things in British barbecue yeah. over the last two and a half years. But was there like a, a constant curve before then and it took off? Or has there always been kind of these spikes that have happened around different innovations? I think I think there's been a constant growth since since the 90s. Um, it just depends on if you've seen it or not. And it's like I, I uh, equate this sometimes to buying a new car. When you buy a new car, you suddenly see them everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> if you bought it, you don't even know it's there. And I think the barbecue scene's quietly been growing and growing and growing. And it's probably lockdown was that was that light bulb moment when everybody sort of woke up, um, realised that, you know, even if they could go to work and they could carry on doing their day job, either from home or at work, they couldn't go to a restaurant. You couldn't go, OK, you probably get a takeaway, but even that was sort of shut down to start with. So you're back to eating at home. No big issue for a lot of people. The weather was nice. It's a bit like, well, let's use the barbecue because let's mix it up a bit. Um, let's look at pizzas. So the whole outdoor cooking scene suddenly everyone was looking i think everyone's got a repertoire of things they can cook um and there's a lot of barbecuers who barbecued that three to four five six times a year that just cook the same things well that's great but you don't want to do that seven nights a week so suddenly where do you look you can look on on, on the web but you obviously look on social media see what everyone else is doing you discover your green grocer you discover your butcher again and realize that for the money you pay for a, an average meal you can go and buy some fantastic cuts of meat. You can investigate. You can actually start to understand, talking about different cuts of steak and, and different try different things. And so there was a massive appreciation for food. And at the end of the day, barbecue is it's it's the conduit, but it's it's two things: it's food and it's and it's people, and it's bringing all those together. That's what barbecue does, and it becomes that social element. So when you can then mix with people outside, nothing better than than a beer and a barbecue. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, couldn't absolutely couldn't agree more. There, uh, it is very much. I, I think that's what we enjoy so much—the social element yeah. of something, you know. And and the kind of there's a little bit of showmanship in barbecue, isn't there? That you know, look you yeah. know, look what we can yeah. do over coal and fire and gas, etc. Which is which is really good. So when you know, obviously, kind of coming to where you are now with the business, um, are you finding that you are getting more? 
newcomers into barbecue that are you know coming through the store on, online and they're also looking for advice at the same time and kind of using your expertise how to really get them in to you know British barbecue yeah very much I think social media has been great and I think the growth in the business in lockdown was fueled by social media by the fact that we um, were very lucky to have Will's Grill Shack living. Uh, so Will from Will's Grill Shack living on the doorstep. He literally worked across the road from me. Um, and so he was in almost every lunchtime. And uh, I used him as a little bit of a, a test bed for lots of things. He was he was actually really keen to, to, to give some advice with things that he'd seen and I shared things that I'd seen and we we sort of came up with a little plan to he helped me out with the social media launch in the first place to really push Instagram we'd done Facebook before but he really pushed us into Instagram um and then introduced us to the guys at the sizzle show and then we just became a group really who who just all worked together and bounced off each other I was the one providing the business as in the 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 sort of the 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 product if you like, a lot of them were given their expertise from 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 different areas. Um, James from the Sizzle Show is a great is a great guy, and he's 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 got some great business background. So he mm. he had lots of ideas about how we could how we could do things and grow things um, for ourselves, but also you know how they could do things. Um, Cork Jason Cork Barbecue is a real character and just a just a big hearted guy. Um, super keen to help everyone, and and um, and he's been a great addition. Um, and 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 Bill, so meat fire whiskey, another so real good, great team of guys. And then they were basically all either looking for kit, asking for stuff, had friends who wanted stuff, and so we started to move in the direction of, you know, where where what are people looking for, what are they asking for. Let's start to look at that, and let's start to move. So we we definitely grew from our key three or four brands into starting to follow where the demand was. Um, and the growth in lockdown was far faster than I'd ever seen um, in previous years. Previously, you, 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 you'd pick your three or four brands, you'd go through the season, you'd see some trends starting to come along, and then you think, well, for next year, we'll, we'll dip our toe in that and we'll try something else, and we might drop one away and, and step into another. Whereas really in, in 2019, 2020, 2021, we were dipping our toes in lots of pools, if you like, and then seeing which one worked get some good feedback we were flying with it if we had some negative feedback we're thinking okay we'll we'll, we'll let that one drift out and we'll, we'll replace it again but so much positivity so many people you know willing to help so many people looking for advice um your <clears throat> back to question really i've gone off the subject here back to question of you know who's coming in yeah lots of new people coming in i think instagram's attracting lots of people it amazes me you get these people come in and, and you know, wanting to ask and then they say, can you follow us? And you have a little follow and you have a little look at their account and they've got 100 followers or something. So they're really new into it. They've, they've stuck up half yeah. the posts, but they want to get involved. And you can tell it's not the, you know, we'll, we'll always be, you know, we'll always be selling a barbecue for someone who wants to barbecue half a dozen times a year. But when I get excited, the people who, who get it in that they just want to get home doesn't have to be every night of the week, but they certainly want to two or three times a week or they want to plan for the weekend and they've got a cook planned. And then they're coming in and they're asking, you know, what rub should I use? How should I do that? Is there any techniques, tips, tricks? You know, should I wrap in foil? Should I wrap in butcher's paper? Um, you know, do, should I use wood chips or should I use wood, wood chunks? And, you know, all of that sort of stuff, which becomes second nature when you, when you do it all the time. But those are little things that 
you could Google all night long and then probably get 20 answers and then you're not quite sure what to do. So it's great to give that feedback. And of course, once you've done that, they think, oh, these guys know what they're talking about. That's my safe place to go to, to, to get my stuff and get my advice. Right. For me, what must be so exciting is having your fingertips on all of the new gear that's becoming available and be, being able to see kind of what trends are coming and being able to try different things out. Where do you even start when looking at what's available and what to target and where you think the industry is going? Well, yeah, you're right. There's so many different directions. So what I've tried to do is I tend to look, and I've, I've, one thing I've learned over the years I've been doing it is that doesn't matter what anyone tells you, your gut feel is pretty much always right. Not always right, but it's always far righter than anything else um, it would be. Um, also, I've got some key principles is in that, and this is something that um, I'm quite pro-American, and we, we have quite, I've got some American heritage, and we have quite a leaning towards American product, but I'd much rather buy an American-made product than I would a Chinese-made product. Mm-hmm. Not anti-Chinese, I just believe that the American-made product is designed to grill on. Mm-hmm. Chinese-made product is designed to be made to a price. I've got lots of experience. I know lots of contacts over the years from different manufacturers and from different buyers from different large box chains. And there's a box chain who I won't mention their name, but they're quite orange, who um, uh, I know the buyer or knew one of the buyers is not there anymore, who said to me, Charles, you know, you go to look at a product and you're talking to the guy there about, you know, you want to spec stainless steel, you know, these bits here, what have you got? You know, how can we make this a better quality? Can we reinforce it? Those sorts of things. I go there and say, can you take the stainless steel off? Can you <laughs> thin it out? Because we want the products that we sell to last 11 months and 30 days. Because yeah. if that disintegrates on the anniversary of the year, of the day they bought it, fantastic, they've got to come buy another one. But we we like to sell, I like to sell products to people who the reason they come to buy another barbecue is they want a different style of barbecue or they've given their barbecue to their son or their neighbour or their friend and they've come to get another one because they've outgrown their barbecue, not because the barbecue's died. Mm. And I, so I look for quality and I look for something that I want myself. Those are the two sort of criteria, really. It must be so hard for you to pick like, with such a range of like quality. I mean, we, we'll get on to Sizzle Fest in a minute, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. You know, when when myself and Dan came down for for the inaugural Sizzle Fest last year, walking in, it was I felt like a kid in a sweetie shop. I mean, I, I bought a, I bought a Traeger Ironwood eight eight five off you that day, but um, it, 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 yeah, it, it, I honestly felt like it was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, it's interesting, and 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 um, you say that, and and again, how do you choose? So yeah, I've talked about the things about quality and and provenance, all those things. What's really interesting, and this is something I always hold quite a good belief in, is that you do business with people, not with companies. So yeah. you can tell by the people. Um, and companies have cultures, and the best companies tend to be the privately owned ones or the the ones that have got a, a strong leader. Um, I mean, you can tell by the guy, Jeremy, who runs um, Traeger, that he might be the CEO of the company, and he might, um, you know, be totally detached from, from you know, um, the little guys who are maybe working in the factory or, or, or in the warehouse. But he looks like he looks the part. He looks like a barbecuer. 
he wears the same T-shirt, he grills on the same grill. And so he, he is the epitome of the, of the product. Whereas there's some bigger brands that I can name, which I won't, who even the UK MD doesn't barbecue. Forget, you know, beyond that. And he's just thinking, well, if you don't, you know, a prime example, I went to a trade show, spoke to the guy, a large uh, UK um, MD of a barbecue company, asked about his new product, which they were launching. Straight away, he called his salesman over and said, can you, can you talk through the product? Because I don't know the, the detail. And that says a masses to me, because if it's your company yeah. or you're running that company, if you don't know the detail on your new product, you know, I, I don't like, you know, in business, we're all in business to make money. And at the end of the day, the bottom line is, is you know, where the buck stops sort of thing. But if you don't invest in the, in the, in the, in the product, if you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't believe in it, then I don't believe you can get the most out of it. And, and I like to deal with people that are genuine, that are honest, and actually have that, that enthusiasm for their product. So that's that's that other sort of the other sort of thing that sometimes I've changed brands based on the person who worked for one company has gone to another company and I've gone with him rather than with the staple of the brand. But you know they know what they're talking about, you can trust their sense and feel, and you know that they've moved for a specific reason from that perspective, um, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um and again, you also know that they're gonna come to you first with anything that's new and exciting, which also helps, surely. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing and there's also nothing better than being involved in new projects with new products. I mean, um, I'm very, very fortunate to have in a slight tangent to know Tom Gosney very well, who's um Gosney Pizza Ovens, the Rock Box and the Dome. Um, lucky to be involved with him and, and and his wife Laura from the very beginning when they started out in sort of like 2012 and seen their journey. And then very fortunate they let me sell their product when they didn't sell to anyone else. Um, because they, especially in lockdown where demand was so high, they they sell direct. So their thing was, well, we're not going to have any retailers because, you know, we've 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 only got thirty thousand pieces. We can sell thirty thousand pieces, so you know, we, we'd be crazy to give the margin away. Um, but said, but Charles, you can have some. Um, and yeah, and to be involved with people like that, and then to see the dome come from a, a cardboard mock-up and talking about the, you know, what the what the design features are and, 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 you know, what accessories are going to come with it and, and, and what it's going to do to, to through to seeing them launch it um, and then be really successful and then actually eventually get hold of one and now to be selling the product is absolutely fantastic. And, and Tom's one of those good guys who, you know, about three or four weeks ago came in store on a Saturday morning because he's been based in the States because they're opening in the States He's back in the UK while he's waiting for his green card and it will be approved. Came on a Saturday morning because he'd been to a Costco across the road and said, oh, I'm just here. Have a look. But do you mind if I just work with you for a couple of hours in store? Because it's really good just to see the product and to chat to customers and all that sort of stuff. And then proceed to spend basically half a day here. Sold about three domes, chatting to everyone and, and just, just hanging out, just hanging out with everyone else. So, yeah, those are the sorts of people you want to do business with. Mm. It's kind of, yeah, it's that kind of, again, going back to that kind of people, social element of barbecue, even, yeah. even tie, tying in that business side yeah. of things. Absolutely. So obviously from where the business started, as you were saying, in, in 1989 to, to obviously now, is barbecue the biggest part of the business that, you, that you've uh, got? 
It's 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 probably um, it's about 50-50. The gas distribution is still quite a big chunk of the business, and that that is the that's the grind, if you like. But in some respects, also you could say that's the cash cow that allows the barbecue shop to to live to you know the the level that we can live at, because that's covering the day to day overhead. Um, and then the barbecue shop is then is then you know got the benefit of having that space to work within it. Having said that, without the barbecue business now, the gas business wouldn't work. So both halves, both halves of the business work with each other. Um, yeah. But it gives us that balance because when the barbecue side of things is slower through the winter, we've got the gas business which keeps us keeps us going. Although I always say that I think last Christmas was the first time, not the first, but by far our best ever Christmas barbecue wise. And through Black Friday and then um, Christmas, we were amazed by the, the 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 sales through Christmas. Yeti is the other brand that we we brought on in the last eighteen months, and that that really did us fantastically through Christmas. And then January is actually just gives us time to plan and sort and tidy and, and get ready for the new season. And before you know it, by the mid of mid February, it kicks off again. So there isn't really a downtime, but the gas just gives us that that base really. Yeah. So I'd like to go in and I mentioned Sizzle Fest earlier. So sure. we were we caught up with um, Jason James and we were talking about the Sizzle show. And then at the time was talking, you know, it hadn't happened at the time. We were talking about the, the first Sizzle Fest. So I suppose, again, for people that didn't come, you know, did it what, what, what was the kind of idea for you? um uh, about sizzle fest so it was a crazy idea that we came up with in our phone call um probably in about june last year so probably about this time where we were we wanted to because we were all working together or i was working together with will and then together the pair of us were working together with the sizzle show the guys there um but mainly mainly jason uh bill and james and we wanted to do something that was like at the end of the season because we're thinking about well lockdown hopefully will open up and, and and stuff will get back to some form of normality plus it's the end of the season so if people have managed to have holidays they'll be back so you're back to school, school time so but we're still early enough that hopefully the weather's okay um be great just to get everyone together how do we do that well i said well i've got the location here so we could do something here and it was probably going to start out to be something nothing much more than we do when we do a like a demo day or a masterclass sort of thing, where we've got the the barn in the car park and we, we have that open and we just thought we've got a kitchen in that. We can stack the fridge full and we just invite people to it. And then James being James um, always goes much further and grander and went, well, we'll just have a festival. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, we could have 100 people, I suppose. And then he said, no, no let's do more than that. And then I said, well, okay, if we look at how we do it, when we do a demo day, we involve the brands. Let me speak to the brands and see if they'd be interested in coming. And again, the timing was perfect because they were in the same sort of situation where they hadn't really had that opportunity to get out um, mm -hmm. and use the guys that are paid to do these sort of demos. Um, Weber, a great example of that. They had all their guys that they're paid, you know, chefs in effect to sit around. They wanted to get out anyway. So they wanted to, do, you know, get out and it'd be good for them to try some stuff. And they'd all been doing stuff online. So they want to get back out in the real world. Uh, Broking again, really keen to, to engaged, and, and Martin, who runs Broking, I've known for 25 years. So he was like, "You tell me where and when I'll be there." Um, Gosney, we got great relationships. They're like, "Yeah, tell us." We've never done a demo, 
but hey, you know, we'd love to do it because it's great for us to learn that stuff. Yeti are on board from day one, just saying, yeah, we're, we're there. Um, and it just happened like that. And Traeger is the new emerging giant, really, who are, who are really keen to get involved. And I think, again, run by um, really nice guys, um, some of which were with Traeger, some of which with, with Weber previously, but a really good team of guys, nice people. Um, so they're all pretty much said, you tell us what you want when you want it. So we suddenly thought, okay, we can do that. We've got the barn, so that can be like a demo area. If we stick a marquee up as a bit of a stage thing, um, and we'll get a bit of catering in a bar, and we'll go from there, really. And then it just sort of shaped up from there. It was no more than a conversation that we've just had there. Um, and then each day we kept adding layers and, and tweaking things and suddenly realised we need to measure up and work out who's going to go where. And, oh, yeah, we need toilets. Oh, hang on, we need a generator. And then <laughs> suddenly realised that um, it was going to cost £17,000 to put it on for the day um, and just realised that how do we now avoid losing money was pretty much the, the key element in the end. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was just that opportunity for me for a number of things. One is to get to meet everyone actually face-to-face because we never actually had even met, apart from Will and I. Um, it was that opportunity to, to just get the community together. And I just went, well, in the end, I'm not really worried about the money because I think it's a good investment for the business. It's a great marketing opportunity. If we can get, you know, 300 like-minded individuals in one place at one time, having a good time, drinking beer, I'm sure everyone's going to get on. I'm sure everyone's going to have a great time. I think they're all going to appreciate what what what, uh, what all the brands are doing. And then um, and that, that was it, really. It was, no, it was no more than that. It's just sort of came together on a bit of a wing and a prayer. And did it exceed your expectations? I mean, it was a fantastic day. We had we had the best time. Yeah. And it seemed that everyone just, you know, afterwards, for days, weeks afterwards, there was messages <laughs> with people you'd met. And it was, oh, God, we've been talking for six months on, on Instagram. It was so nice to finally meet you. Yeah. And it just seemed yeah. to snowball. So did, you know, did it meet your expectations? Were you really glad with how it turned out? Yeah, really, really much uh, so because I was slightly worried. It's that like the night before waking up or not sleeping too well, thinking, what have I done? <laughs> How's it come together? Because even on the Friday night, bearing in mind, we're operating a business as well. So um, we got all the gas business like wound back by about midday on Friday. So I put the marquee up Friday morning. Stuff was coming in, but a lot of the stuff didn't even go in until Saturday morning. Um so I was just laying in bed going, how the hell is this? You know, people are going to be queuing at the door. We're just not going to be ready. And what we're doing, and we, you know, we've drawn a map out, but none of us are event planners, organisers. Um, I forgot about Chris, actually, Big Nose Barbecue. So Chris is an absolute legend. He's part of the team. He, by trade, is a DJ so he, in London, a club in London. So Chris um, pulled together all of the sound, the lighting, the cameras, just all of that stuff with some contacts he's got. He pulled the music together with his uncle, Uncle Tony, Tony Moore. Um, uh, and he got the music acts. So he got the Riccardi brothers who were on. I don't know if he stayed at the end, but the Riccardi brothers yeah. were there at the end. Um, so he actually, he actually made us look professional when none of us actually knew what we were doing. Uh, <laughs> But it was all brought together with the goodwill of the people as well, because everybody was just very accepting. You know, it was an amazing day. If you look behind the scenes, there were an awful lot of cracks and there was an awful lot of things that we, we this year we're definitely going to improve. There's an awful lot of uh, minor health and safety issues and 
um, <laughs> like knives everywhere and things on fire, um, and all sorts of stuff that really. Ah, uh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about those bits. No, you know, <laughs> you can worry about that. Year one, I never knew it existed. So, but now, now we know it existed. We can, we can, we can sort of just have a little bit more control. But um, no, it was absolutely fantastic, and um, we were buzzing afterwards. Absolutely buzzing. I can't believe almost that we pulled it off. So. Had a fantastic time, and and again, James, a lot of credit goes to him because he put a lot of planning in behind with the timings and getting people on stage and off stage, and 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 amazing mind Steve, um, who steam train barbecue. Everyone's got an Instagram handle now. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't have one before. Um, he 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 ran the stage from behind the scenes and did a fantastic job. So it's a real group of just everybody mucking in and joining in. None of these people were paid anything. Everybody came and worked for free um just just to be part of it which is just amazing really but just such a great community everyone joined in had a great time um no it was just amazing amazing so how, how long between the first sizzle sizzle fest finishing and you all debriefing and going right we're going to do it again it didn't sunday feel morning. that long sunday morning okay. yeah i thought yeah. so <laughs> sunday morning when we all came in to basically get together and clean up and it wasn't a, too much cleaning up to do actually but you know just put make sure everything had gone away properly and um everything that um we didn't own and that belonged to other people got put away properly and it was ready to be collected and all that sort of stuff and just a bit of a tidy up and sweep up um everyone was buzzing the following morning once the hangovers were off a few of them i really <laughs> made an effort not to drink till about five six o'clock because i was just trying to stay in control of things um, <laughs> But I know a few of the others started slightly earlier than me. Um, <laughs> but um, so they were hanging a little bit. But uh, no, straight away they were. Everyone was up for it, um, and just said, "Let's do it! Let's do it! Let's do it!" Cork, I think, was the, the main protagonist. He was yeah, the one that, uh, definitely. Let's just get those early bird tickets. Let's get the first hundred early bird tickets out. We'll get the money back in. Um, I mean, Cork is the biggest, kindest. He's like a big cuddly teddy bear. <laughs> nicest guy in the world and he was he was acutely aware that we'd run the whole thing um all worked our socks off done everything but obviously i'd written the check for it and we'd lost money so he was like straight away we can sell some tickets now he gets some money back in and i was like oh we're fine no no so do it let's get let's get it let's get it going so really he was the he was the instigator um, I mean, we we saw him about yeah we saw him at outside mcdonald's at about eight half eight in the morning the next day and we had a big old sort of catch up about it and yeah. he again even from there i think he sold us tickets make- he sold us tickets before <laughs> he told you that they were going to do anything <laughs> yeah oh like uh, so uh, the passion behind that man as well like you said he is like a big cuddly teddy bear but once he gets an idea in his head that's it oh and he doesn't see a bad thing in anyone no He's, he just i mean it makes me laugh because we, we went and I'm going on a top topic, but you know we went on a trip to Texas in January. Mm-hmm. So yes, we um, saw. And again, I'm not really sure how that happened, but it sort of all came together. And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it," because I'm thinking that's never going to happen because we're never going to be allowed out. You know, there were no flights; it was all banned, all that stuff. Um, you lose track of, of when we were in lockdown and when we weren't. But I do know. I think even in mid-December, I'm thinking there's no chance we're ever going. We booked the flights; the flights were, were booked, but I thought it's all going to get cancelled. Um, but we were we were in a bar <laughs> in like in in so again this is for this year too interesting. So we're in a bar in downtown uh, Fort Worth on like on a Sunday night at about eleven midnight, and he, he, Jason can't go. 
Charles, Charles, introduce you to this man now. And, and, and the guy's going, I, I've got no idea what you're saying. Um, <laughs> now, John, John, he wants to come to Sizzle Fest. <laughs> he said, I've got him to follow you on Instagram and he's booking his ticket. And he's saying to me, what is he talking about? And he says, uh, he says, you know, lovely guy. He said, but I, I'm getting about every third word. I said, well, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. We only get about two out of three. And <laughs> one's the F word. But otherwise, no, it's all good. It's all good. But he's just, he's incessant. He just keeps going. He keeps going. He keeps going. But he'd be the last one to bed and the first one up in the morning. I just don't mm-hmm. know how he... Yeah, no, it's it's pretty impressive. He's great. So, so what ha- what is um, what is Sizzle Fest twenty twenty two going to be in store for everyone? So uh, you know we haven't quite finalised, but really the idea in my head is that how it was last year, which was basically the front half of the the the, the plot, if you like, was the brands, the marquee, the fire stage, and then we had some catering. The idea this year, how we do it, I'm still in negotiations with several people, is to clear the site, which is going to be logistically a nightmare, but let's worry about that later. Um, (laughs) So where we had the marquee, that will now be in the back section up against the back fence, so we can give some distance and space. We'll have all the brands at the front again. The, 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 The barn is the fire stage, and opposite that we're going to have a butcher stage, and so the idea then, so that we can run things slightly more smoothly, um, the butcher stage will run for half an hour and 40 minutes, and then the fire stage will run for half an hour and 40 minutes, and then while one's on, you get a chance to clean down the other one, sort it out, set it up for the next one. So they'll run alternate to each other. And there's some great synergy between, between butchery and, and barbecue and, and um, um, Craft Meat Dorset and Navarro is a great guy. He's taken ownership of that. He's come on board and he's he's just launched a new store, a new butcher shop as well. So he's going to be fab. We've got some sponsors involved with that. So that'll be great. Um, we've got all the brands. All of that is pretty much as it was. The, yep. the main stage then, which will be at the back, will be sort of side on. So you can then stand. And so in between the two, if you like, will be the food court. So you'll have four, three or four vendors and hopefully a pop-up restaurant and then two bars. And then we'll have the entertainment of the axe throwing, which will be just two bay axe throwing. And we're gonna have a Traeger sponsoring a bucking Bronco style um, thing. So everything we're gonna do, we'll have prize involved. So if you do the bucking Bronco, the person stays on the longest, is gonna win a Traeger prize. Um, there'll be something on the axe throwing, which Bacoa, which is Hellraiser and TMG, they're gonna sponsor that. So there'll be some prizes with that. I think the key is that every brand that's there will be doing what we're calling an activation. So I don't know if you saw what um, Gosney did last year. They did a, on the hour, every hour, they did like a pizza, pizza offer, if you like. Yeah. And half a dozen people cooked pizzas and then it got judged and then you had a final and won a price. So I want all the brands to do something equivalent to that. Broking did a chicken wing challenge. There'll be like a smash burger challenge. Um, with all different things, just so it's a bit more interactive. So if you want to watch stuff going on, you can watch stuff going on. If you want to get involved, you can get involved. Weber are going to do their sort of um, their discovery cooking school, if you like, um, so you can get involved in that. So um, Traeger, Traeger um, we were super lucky when we were over in Texas to meet a couple of guys who were uh, big Traeger ambassadors. Um, ben from Expedition Barbecue, 
and Don from Good News Barbecue. They flew back, flew back, flew down. Uh, Don's from Oregon and Ben's from Alaska. So they met us down in Texas. Um, they come down to Texas to learn the trade, to then take it back home again. So it's very interesting when you go to places like Goldie's and Franklin's and Snow's, they've got almost like guest uh, helpers in there who come down and they join in in exchange for a meal, basically, and, and they'll just cook and, and listen and learn and, and get the tips and, tips and tricks and then take it home with them. But those two guys both run commercial businesses, which they cook on commercial Traegers. So they're both coming over for Sizzle Fest for some strange reason, bless them. Um, <laughs> they, they obviously signed up with Cork at two in the morning in a bar somewhere. It's gone international now. Sizzle Fest has gone international. Yeah. And bless them, both of them had to go and get a passport because neither of them have ever had a passport. So they had to go and get a passport to be able to come to Sizzle Fest. So not only have they come, they've never been outside the country before. Um, so That's they're commitment. Gonna, they're going to be cooking with Traeger. Um, and then on the stage itself, we'll have all sorts of entertainment. I think we're more aware that we want to put some music on earlier in the day. So we'll have more music on from that side. Um, there's a couple of things. Yes, he might be sponsoring an acoustic stage. We might have a third stage with a bit of acoustic music. So we've got all different things in the pot. None of those are totally hard and fast. And then we'll have a big screen behind the barn. So if you're stood in the middle, basically with a pint, you can look to the main stage and we could turn the other way and look to the screen and see what's going on on the fire stage or the butcher stage. So you'll have a almost, you can almost just stay and drink and eat all day long and just, or you can, you know, you can, you can mix it up. Um, we'll do a new quiz this year. So we did Grilling Air last year. Um, and after our uh, cease and desist from Sony Endemol, um, we won't be doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a new one, which is less likely to get sued. Um, uh, we've got, yeah, all sorts of challenges and just the same thing, but just maybe slightly more organised and um, a few more ideas, just slightly bigger and better really. But without losing that fun, small feel, festival feel to it. Yeah. That, that's Sounds what like, Owen and I absolutely loved about it because we also went to like Smoke and Fire and we've been to a few other festivals as well, but nothing had the same barbecue family feel to yeah. it. And the fact that people were walking around and you were recognising people that you'd never met before <laughs> and you were talking to them as if you'd known them for years and years and years. Okay. And yeah. It was the feeling was phenomenal. So if it's going to be anything like that, it sounds like it's going to be so much better. You're going to be struggling with people wanting to stay. You won't be able to get get them out of there at like two, three, four in the morning. <laughs> so we started. We're going to start an hour later. We're going to start at eleven just to give ourselves some more setup time. But then we're going to run to eleven. Mm -hmm. um, but I think eleven probably means midnight because that's just the way it, the way it is, sort of thing. But um, yeah, a bit more music as well because I think and it's trying to get that transition from from day to night right so that we don't lose people um, and they can naturally stay if they want to go they can go but they, there's naturally that progression from um the 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 activations from all the brands finishing sort of six ish and then moving more into a nighttime theme with food and drink and as i say hopefully a pop-up restaurant and um and then just music and entertainment through the night great and you mentioned earlier that there's going to be some, you know, you've got the barn in the middle where there's going to be some, you know, demos. But that's actually something that you do quite regularly, isn't it? So you've got some masterclasses that you now yeah, run from. So we, the so the barn, we built the barn in 2019 in, in, in 
in the winter of 2018-19, if you like, ready for um, 2019 to really launch, and we did, and then, and then we got shut down by COVID. But the idea is that it was a – so, again, my feeling is that if you come to a store to buy a TV and they say, well, here's a TV – and you go, well, can I turn it on? You go, well, no, we can't turn them on. That's, you know, that's, you can have a look at it. I can put the test picture up and show you that, but you can't really do a lot more than that. Um, my fear with barbecue was that whenever we do a demo day, which we've done in the fast, which would literally be, you know, one of the reps turning up, pop a gazebo up and, and stick a grill on. People became so enthused by it because at the end of the day, a barbecue is just that, as we talked about before, it's that element that brings people together and the food. So, you don't buy a barbecue, well, some people do, to buy a barbecue to, to have a barbecue that looks good. You buy a barbecue for food. It's got to, it helps if it looks good because there is that sort of, um, well, look <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have the best barbecue in the world. If you can't produce the goods, then it's not a lot of good. Um, so it's always struck me that it's not that difficult to do a demo. Um, there's loads of people that are either um, the manufacturers themselves or, We've got lots of customers who are just super keen. You know, we've got people that rock up on a Saturday and stay for the day, really. Um, and I was like, would you fancy doing it and come and do a demo? Um, I think the early people who who became super enthusiastic about barbecue were the, the sort of the ceramic uh, Kamado style owners, the big green egg owners. Um, I think that, again, about 10 years ago was a, was a bit of a sea change in, in what barbecues can do, especially with charcoal making that resurgence that was perfect um so we realized we do demos you sell grills because people who come to the store want to buy barbecue when you taste the food and you see it in action it then it's not about what am i going to buy if i'm going to buy it you know where i'm going to buy it it's right okay which one am i going to buy um and then you get advice from people who are not salespeople, but someone's just cooking the food you know but we can i never never ever tried to do a hard sell i'd always say to someone do you know what, that's not the right thing. Or my, I think my favourite thing to say to people, which is probably the most stupid thing, is when they come in to buy a grill, they say, what do you need with it? And I say, do you know what, buy the cover, maybe buy a griddle plate, and then go and have a play with it. Go and have a play, enjoy it, and then come back and go, oh, I'm going to have a pizza stone. Oh, I'm going to put a pile of pan. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do something else with it. Don't buy it all at once, because what will happen is you'll have a garage full of stuff. You'll never get around to using it. You need to use one thing at a time and then build up your confidence and then add to it. And then they just come back every week and, you know, you'll be coming in to buy pellets or charcoal or whatever it is, pick up some rubs and sauces, add an accessory on. And I'd much rather have a person who comes in once or twice a month and buys bits and pieces than someone who comes in once in 10 years, buys loads and then never see them again. So, um, and that's the motivation. The demo, the demo seals the deal. It gives people confidence that they can do it because we don't employ chefs to do it. They're just enthusiasts. And then once a month, so three months a month demo, once a month we do the masterclass. So the masterclass, and again, from Sizzlefest, we've got access to a really good group of people who are that next level, be it they are, have got some classical training or they're just a super enthusiast. So um, I think the first one we did in October with, with Greg Emerson, who was on MasterChef and actually is a chef, although he works in IT as his day job, so he's not a, not a he's not a paid chef. He just does the chef part is is what he does for fun. Um, although he is classically trained, um, he did a steak masterclass last October. That was fantastic. Um, 
we did some bits and pieces through the autumn, but nothing actually ticketed. We just did we did a Traeger event and just to try and you know, and we did a Christmas event. Then we did a ticketed one in January with Dan um, Urban Streetery, mm-hmm. um, and that was awesome. All street food tacos all comes together. I think what we like to try and do is the whole get people in, get everyone involved, um, get some hands on, but also learning as well. So you get to hear from a chef what they're doing get some hands on and you get involved and then we all eat together at the end and try and produce that nice table and nobody nobody does it better than Dan that 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 um that taco table he produces just is looks too good it's too good to touch really but it's amazing the spread that he produces um and I've also learned the hard way now that um first of all super enthusiastic said just send me a shopping list I'll get all the food together for you and you can just rock up and cook and then you get He's asking for tomatillos and um, he was asking for chipotle smoked peppers. And I'll, I'll tell you what, mate, you get the stuff. Give me the receipt and I'll pay you <laughs> because I'm going to spend half a day in Sainsbury's looking for the stuff. You know where to get it from. Um, but it's great because I would, more than anyone, I would say I've learned from every single one we've done. We did one with Sue Stoneham, which is just fantastic. I mean, Sue's a nightmare because she tried to cook about 17 things in one day <laughs> i think we'd still be there now if, if, if you know oh hang on let's just do an apple upside down cake no sue that's enough now oh, let's <laughs> another loaf of bread no but oh, it's amazing her food is fantastic it was, again one of the most uh things i've learned is is, is cooking with sue for a day because she's just she just comes from it all in a different angle and that that's what's so fantastic everyone's got their own their own you know area of expertise um the one we did last month was um dave mccormick wilson's barbecue the bloke's a genius i mean again he's been out to texas to 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 do his training he worked with leroy and lewis for a week in exchange for board and lodging sort of thing um and he cooked us three briskets all british or irish beef um so grass-fed and i've got to tell you they were as good as, almost as good as I would say as a Franklin brisket. I can't see there's a lot of difference. And he's done that with with, with grass fed, not corn fed. These were wow. cost about seventy pounds for these six and a half pound briskets. Um, and the best thing he did all day, actually, although the briskets were great, was the sausages. Because the thing about um, the, the 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 brisket trim is, you really want a brisket. It makes such a difference to trim. But when you've paid so much money for a big piece of meat, you really hate cutting bits off of it. Mm. And he was carving it all off and cutting the fat back <laughs> and trimming it and going round and then oh, tripping a bit more and trimming a bit more. But all the trimmings were going into a bucket, but then all the bucket got made into sausages. So then you're going, well, oh, I don't mind that because yeah. we're going to have yeah. those. And the sausages were fantastic. They were fantastic. And they were and literally, um, he, he, he made the mix, put it through the mincer, then he made everyone make the sausages to show how easy it is to make the sausages. It wasn't like the generation game where they sort of pedal down and they're going like this. <laughs> you have the hand crank and you can literally take it as slowly as you want to and even go slightly backwards if you want to take the pressure off. Yeah, fantastic. And they came out amazing. So it just gives you confidence. Something I've never tried to, to – to, it was even on my – Father's Day list with a little sausage making machine because I'm going to give that a go. So yeah, really, really good. And you know, that, and, and I've I've sort of been everywhere almost and seen everything, and I get excited by all of these. So that's why I'm getting more and more of the um, 
to, you know, to bring these things to people so they get the opportunity. We've had Marcus down. Marcus was fantastic, another super humble guy, so kind, so generous with his time, um, uh, too generous and too kind, I would say, and I have to pull him up on it and say, no, you're not going to do it for nothing. You're going to, you know, you are going to get paid because yeah. this is the business and you need – I need to overpay you. So when next year, when I say, can you come and do one? You'll go, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Rather than thinking, oh, I've done a favor for him now. I'm not going to do another one. Uh, but Marcus is superb, amazing. Um, you can't help but being inspired by him. He makes it so simple. Uh, and just everything he talks about, and it's all those little tips and tricks, and um, his fire management and all of that stuff is just great. And, again, it's just he's 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 no – better than anyone else than, than than we are he's just had more practice at it um he's, and he's, he's well studied. just conf- he's just confirmed that he's working on another book isn't he yeah last week or so can't wait for that it's a barbecue for everyone so that's going to be great because he's going to cover all bases but he's just such a super genuine guy if anyone deserves to be successful it's him because he's the kindest you know hard working do anything for anyone um you know so many stories I could tell you about him that I almost twist his arm to take money because he, he he doesn't want to. And I'm saying, well, I get that if you're highly paid, but this is your business now. You need to take yeah. money, you know, but he's just a, he just loves it. He's just so enthusiastic. He just wants to do it. Um, so that, yeah, that's great. Um, we've got, uh, we've got a Traeger one this uh, Saturday coming up. That's going to be super exciting. So Sam uh, wants to talk pit barbecue is doing that for us. Um, he actually works for Traeger, but, He's 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 an enthusiast who worked in the uh, aeronautical industry and then left his very highly paid job to go and work for Traeger because he just loves barbecue and he loves Traeger. So uh, yes, get super enthusiastic guy, really excited for that one. Um, and yeah, it just goes on and on. And then we'll we'll add more and we'll we'll bring some back and we'll add some fresh names in. I'm hoping we're going to get Dave from Spice Punch. He's going to come and do one. I mean, so many talented people with slightly different stories, slightly different outlooks, slightly different styles. And I just get them down because I want to learn and then just think, well, I can sell a few tickets. It pays for the event. (laughs) If you've been looking or thinking about an outdoor kitchen, then look no further than AOS Outdoor Kitchens. They are the South's leading outdoor kitchen design and installation specialists. Their extensive showroom is based just outside Bournemouth on the Dorset Hampshire border and as well as numerous in-store displays also features a live outdoor kitchen where they cook every week on Kamado grills, pizza ovens and all filmed and shown on YouTube. They offer a wealth of knowledge on how to transform your patio into the most incredible outdoor dining area with styles and options to suit every budget and you can guarantee they will be able to create something perfectly suited to you and your home. They stock and supply everything that you're going to need for outdoor cooking, including barbecues, Kamado ovens, pizza ovens, outdoor fridges, and every accessory that you would need to become the ultimate outdoor chef. So if you want to make yourself the envy of your friends and neighbours, get in touch with them today to arrange a consultation and take the first step in transforming your back garden into the most incredible entertainment space. Visit aoskitchens.co.uk. So we've obviously talked a lot about the business and Sizzle Fest, and but interested to know your own personal journey, you know, in in barbecue. Because obviously, there's got to be a correlation between your personal, you know, sure. love of barbecue to how you, you know, you, what you do in the business. So, if yeah, what what's been your journey? 
Yeah, and I have I have this conversation with a lot of staff slightly on a tangent, is that, you know, someone says to me they're having a bad day and I always sort of sit down and have a chat with people and say, um, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> you spend more time here doing this than you do anything else. If you're not enjoying what you're doing, go and do something you enjoy because, you know, we could all earn more money doing something else, but you just need to be happy in what you're doing. And most of the time everyone is, but I just, I think for me, my... It wasn't a conscious decision to always try and work in barbecue, but I'd always been involved in barbecue. So I'm super lucky and, and lots of things came together. So my my mother's side, my uh, grandfather uh, was American. Um, he joined the Navy in the war and then came over to, and was based in Southampton for the Second World War for the um, D-Day landings. And he was uh, on Omaha Beach. Uh I think it's something horrible, like uh, 230 went from his lot, his 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 regiment or whatever you would call it, and something like two came back. So mm. um, it's pretty, pretty, pretty awful. And something he never talked about, something he never talked about, I found out lots more about it um, afterwards. But he came, he joined the Navy because he, he was born in Utah. Um, he'd never seen the sea. So he went, well, I'll join the Navy because I want to see the sea. Um so, and I was, uh, on my dad's side, um, sort of similar story with, with um, again, my grandfather on that side being um, in the war, being British, but um, there's a mentality of people coming out of the war and they just, nothing re- really, they weren't scared of too much and they just got on and did stuff. And I was lucky being born um, or growing up in the early 70s, I was the oldest grandchild on both sides. So my parents were, um, were quite young when they had me, so they're in their um 20s when i was born early 20s so my grandparents were only in their like mid 40s um so i was always the one that they were still flat out working both my parents worked um saturdays mum was a hairdresser and dad as i said had a store a little a little hardware store really so they they sort of did their thing so i would always get palmed off the grandparents i was the oldest grandchild and because they were the oldest um uh, kids as well in their family so um, I got to spend loads of time with my grandparents um, and my American grandfather especially was great value because he came here with no preconceptions, no fears of anything. I'm sure he did, but he was just a character. He wore a Stetson every day of his life. Um, <laughs> he wanted to get into cattle rearing and, and ranching in effect is what we call it, but realistically he didn't have the money for that. So he started with a bit of a market garden with his father-in-law and they grew a bit of a market gardening business, sold that and he bought um, a fish and chip shop and then realised that there was money to be made in that. And then what he did was he looked for immigrant immigrant families to run fish and chip shops and then he had a group of seven fish and chip shops. And then what the fish and chip shop did gave him the, the income or the, the revenue to then buy a farm um, and then, but he didn't want to be arable. He wanted to do cattle. So he he, he bought and sold cattle, um, had quite a large farm in Hampshire. And then um, his, uh, so my mother's brothers, um, he then said, well, let's do the complete, complete the circle. I'll buy the cattle. We'll rear some cattle. We'll trade some cattle. But then let's slaughter the cattle and let's open a butcher shop. And then that way, then we can literally do the complete, do the complete thing. So we can rear the cattle and we can sell the cattle. And they um, didn't really do much. It was always like to uh, wheel and deal and buy and sell things. But he really concentrated on cattle. Obviously, the the farm shop sold everything and anything. Um, 
But what that would mean is that if I was with him on a well, pretty much either after school or at a weekend, we would always be going to basically, he would always take me. He'd always have a glove box full of sweets and we'd go off and um, I was there really to open the gates and shut the gates and we'd, we'd go off and count some cattle in a field somewhere and make sure they're all there. Then we'd come back. And then barbecues, again, in the 70s didn't really consist of much. So he'd take an oil drum, cut it in half. Then we'd go down to the butcher shop, see whatever was sort of left over or fresh or whatever he fancied, and then we go and burn some meat. So we always probably, every time my mother would come and pick me up, she'd finish work, and we'd always be outside the back door with a barbecue going, um, drinking beer and burning meat. Um, <laughs> and it, but it's, not, it's only until later life you look back at things, but we, we one of my favourite trips with him is we used to go to the cattle market in Salisbury when he'd be buying and selling cattle. And uh, he'd always say to me, well, before we, before we go into the cattle market, We've got to go to the cattleman's bar because that's where we do the networking. We meet everyone. And um, I was thinking, okay, what it involved was really having a drink. Um, and so <laughs> go, look, you're not old enough to have a drink because I'd only be, you know, 14 or something. You can only have a half. So I'd always get a half and he'd get a pint. Um, so, yeah, great times. We had great fun. So that was always fun. Had Amer- lots of America. He had lots of brothers and sisters. So we had lots of American family, friends, always backwards and forwards. So barbecue was always a big part of life. If the family got together on a Sunday, he'd always be cooking something with the barbecue that he'd made himself. Um, and then, you know, and, and from a young age, we were, we were always doing all sorts, so liver and kidneys and other stuff. So he'd always get me trying stuff um, to, on the barbecue. So it was never, we were never really just doing sausages. I don't think really, I mean, we did a few burgers and sausages, but it was mainly cuts of meat different pieces of steak, different stuff that was left over or cut off or, you know, and we, we'd try stuff. So that was, um, that was exciting. And that, that wasn't exciting. That was just life, really. That's what we did. And then there was that sort of launch of the gas barbecue, which when I was then in, in a working life sort of clicked because I knew, I knew some of the story behind the people. Um, there were, there were a couple of brands. Thermos, Thermos was probably the original gas barbecue and there's a canadian brand called arcla which broking now own today that eventually what sort of broking turned into um and with those coming out because i knew a bit about barbecue i was really keen to get hold of one of those and and to cook on those um and to see at that time it was quite exciting to see what gas could do to give you that control that you never had with barbecue because we we're only ever cooking on open open fire yeah. really um and it was that control of temperature and, and, and cooking with lid clothes and all that sort of stuff, which Weber had really created with the Weber kettle. But it's almost in this country, we almost, it almost worked in reverse. And we got, we got the gas barbecue first. So, yeah, I always had, I always had uh, a fascination with barbecue, always cooking meat. Even if I didn't know it, we were doing it, you know. So that's, that was just my upbringing, really. So, yeah, just very fortunate. And not until you get older, you look back. Very fortunate to be, to be brought up in that way and, and, and to, be, to know them. Um, at such a young age for them so I, I had the benefit of you know the best of them really and then you've expanded your knowledge by getting some of the best barbecuers in the UK to come to where you are and give you tips and yeah, hints every yeah, month absolutely <laughs> well, you know it's just like um if I wasn't doing it I'd be doing it there's a um there's there's a Luke Combs song called that um but um yeah, absolutely. I just, if I wasn't, do, I mean, when I come, I suppose the trick is, what do I do when I get home from work? When I get home from work, <laughs> I turn the grill on. Um, and um, 
I've got a number of barbecues because I know that's everyone says, well, what do you cook on? And I like well, all of them. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, I probably, my first barbecue that I had would have been a gas barbecue because, you know, going back all that time, we always had a gas barbecue, always cooked on a gas barbecue. Um, but very quickly, I think when the Big Green Egg thing happened about 10 years ago um, and we got into that, brought one of those home. And that was a game changer for me because that suddenly took you from grilling hot and fast to low and slow and then being able to create, you know, pulled pork, ribs, brisket, um, brisket not so much because it's hard work, um, but certainly <laughs> ribs, pulled pork, you know, leg of lamb, shoulder of pork, all of those things. That's the great thing. And once you've done that once, you go, well, how easy was that? Then you're hooked. Um, so the gas grill really now gets gets used for um, – uh breakfast on a sunday morning on a griddle plate because it's easy and maybe occasionally the odd burger or smash burger during a week if it's just to get in and get out but i was always you know 52 weeks a year cook on the barbecue i can't think that i've ever not cooked breakfast on the barbecue i've got a covered area so i'm not worried about weather um cook the turkey on the barbecue um yeah i we always will cook at least three times a week on the barbecue and now we've had the peak drumming, so yeah, four times a week. Do you have a favourite meal that you like to cook on the barbecue? What's your what's what's the thing you do best? I think the 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 so there's two answers to that question. With the barbecue shop is is our busiest day is Saturday, so I'm always working on a Saturday. In theory, I have Thursdays off, but that is only in theory. Uh, <laughs> always materialised, especially this time of year. So Sunday's my only day off. So Sunday, I've got to barbecue i've also got to um catch up on things like cutting the grass and any other things that need doing um so there's always that balancing act so the thing for me that's a go-to and also got three kids um who are uh, getting old now so the youngest is 16 the oldest is 20 this year um but their favorite thing is ribs so my go-to is uh for for a weekend is is ribs um using a version of the three to one method i'm not don't really stick to that particularly i tend to just go with how they're looking and and what size ribs are if i buy costco ribs i know the size and i know that two two one's plenty if you get some butcher's versions they can be a bit meatier if you don't trim them back so i tend to go three two one but it's only three and two and, and a bit of a glaze um but ribs is the go-to easy you can do it with your eyes closed um, you can abuse pork and forget about it and then realise that you've forgotten about it and, and it will recover. Um, so that's the go-to. If you say, what's my favourite thing to cook on the barbecue? Steak. Can't beat steak. Um, a ribeye steak, reverse seared, uh, is a thing of beauty. It's just divine. Um, and it's my favourite thing because I can get the egg, I can crank it full full, full beans and, um, and then... Uh, uh reverse well reverse reverse it for slow so nice and slow early doors take it off rest it then give it full beans and get it back on for the sear fantastic i know it's good because my two daughters boyfriends always come around when i'm doing steak so they'll the quick message on um whatsapp and suddenly they appear at the door um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah no beautiful beautiful but sides i enjoy playing with sides um because i think everyone gets into that habit of cooking meat. And I know, especially my, especially my grandfather, 
we would always cook about seven different types of meat on the barbecue. You know, we'd have everything on the go. We'd have chicken and, and as I said, things like kidneys and liver and bits of steak and a pork chop. And it's like, it's like, you know, we're not going to have anything with that. It'd be like, nah, it'd be fine. Just give, give me some bread. That'd be good. Um, <laughs> but one thing I've really enjoyed learning with, especially some masterclasses, is, is the different types of sides to do. Uh, wife knocks up a, a fantastic homemade coleslaw, which is always a great side. Um, got into doing the the pickled red onions. So red onion slices pickled, that's great. Gherkins, that type of stuff. That's one thing we picked up on in 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 um, Texas that they always do that, and those are just cutting through that fat really nicely. That works really well. Um, Wilson's the other day we did um, uh, his corn uh, side, which is pretty much corn mayo and um mexican chili sauce and then you just mix it to the to the level of heat that you want that's fantastic and so easy that's just now suddenly become part of the repartee because it looks good from the instagram photo but it's it's really quick to make and it tastes tastes amazing and again that sweetness of the corn is is just that nice that nice little thing to do um you've got to have some potato in there so either mashed or or potato wedges but you know grilled on a barbecue um yeah and I I, I I hate doing a meal now unless we've got the sides as well i think the sides really complement it and actually make all the difference yeah yeah absolutely so one of the things that we hold quite dear at the, the on the podcast is barbecue fails you know people learn from their fails so we'd be quite interested to know with such a heritage of barbecue that you've got any yeah. stories where things perhaps haven't gone to plan uh, and just no. sort of talk us through. <laughs> no, so I failed at everything. So most of the time, I would say that um, I'm I quite like, and obviously now you know with, with Google, it's easy, isn't it? So I like to do my research and I like to dig deep into timings and um, weights and all of that sort of stuff. So I've got two types of fail really. I've got um, the classic um, not paying attention fail. And I'd still do that quite regularly on a Sunday morning because I'd get up, put the coffee on, put the music on. Nurse Lindsay, my wife, and I, uh, we're both up and um, I'll stick the barbecue on. The kids are coming around slowly. Then I'll go and stick the barbecue on outside, stick some food on it and then forget about it. So that's the one that we all do. Um, And then realise that I've cremated. So my youngest lady always says, oh, daddy, burnt the sausages again. (laughs) Basically, I've just forgotten. I get easily distracted. So what I do is I get it on, get the coffee on, get the barbecue on, make the mistake of picking my phone up and looking at Instagram and then starting to read the comments and then thinking, bloody sausages. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, that's the, that's the fail. But I think the, the, the worst I've ever done was um, mixture, getting the mixture wrong, getting the quantities wrong. I was making um, muffins. So I decided to do savoury muffins on the barbecue, which was a great idea with um some smoked cheese some jalapenos i used norfolk smoke pit rubs i had all of that stuff right but i totally got the mixture of flour and baking powder wrong and these things i don't know if i read it as like three grams and i put 30 grams in or something but these things just exploded so i see <laughs> a picture of what they were meant to look like i'd taken a, a muffin um, there was a traditional muffin, and I was going to make savoury muffins as basically making cornbread muffins to go 
as a side because I thought, well, that'd be quite cool. Put some jalapenos in it, get some strong cheese in there to give the, the cornmeal some flavour because cornmeal's great, but it doesn't really have a lot of flavour to it. But these things just exploded and the whole of the inside <laughs> of my barbecue were just covered with a cornmeal mess. And I don't know how it actually made them to combust. But then I went back and looked at the instructions again and realised I put the wrong quantity of bacon powder. <laughs> Where the, did the heat kind of stick it all to the inside of the barbecue as oh, well? Oh, yeah, just horrendous. Because oh, I didn't throw it away. It was just, it was all, in the end, it all just burnt off and I scraped it off. But it was everywhere. <laughs> and I just, it couldn't have been any worse if I tried. But yeah, it was good fun. Have you tried to make them since? Yeah, I did it straight again. I did it straight away afterwards. Because um, I thought, well, I, one is I knew what the mistake was. And secondly, I was really keen. And funnily enough, Poppy had sent me some rubs to try. And I said, oh, I know I've got a really good, I'm going to do this this, um, this uh, savoury muffin. So I'm now thinking, geez, I've got to send her a picture. <laughs> so I had to do it straight away again <laughs> to get the picture back. So, so it made me do it. And they were fine. They were perfect, in fact. So really good. Um, and cornbread, love cornbread. But it's really bland. So you just got to try and find... Um, Find things. It's a great, um, a great one for ideas. I was saying is Matt Pittman. Don't know if you guys follow him. Meet Church again. Oh, yeah. We're lucky enough to go and we didn't meet him because he's away. But you know, just shows a whole barbecue community. We had a text as we messaged lots of people. Matt Pittman's you know quite a big deal these days. He's got a store in Texas in Waxahachie, south of Dallas, Fort Worth, and um, we messaged to say we were going. He messaged back to say, look, really, Gus, I can't be there, guys. I'm, I'm judging in a Kansas City Barbecue Society event this weekend. Um, but um, pop in the store and just say, you know, who you are and the guys. And, and they're all ready for us. And, you know, basically it's a little tour of the place. And then afterwards, he then sent an email saying, oh, I heard you guys came along. Thank you so much for popping in. Um, I can't believe five guys spent $1,000 in my store in one afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> But it's the, yeah, it's the greatest place in the world. You've got to buy the t-shirts and the hats. Um, <laughs> but now he does some great stuff, and I, what I quite like is obviously plugging his his rubs. But what he mixes them into, what he does, you know, um, the holy cow goes into all sorts of things. And it's, you know, he puts it in scrambled egg and you know and all sorts that you'd never think of. And you give it a go, and you go, wow, that's um, that's really good. So inspiration from other people is the way I, I tend to go. I always share a fail that we, I say that we've done. It's mainly me um, whenever anyone else gives a fail. And I had one the other day that was easily recoverable, but I was kicking myself for. So I was having a load of people over and I was like, right, I'm going to do beef ribs. Um, I'll do some pork ribs as well. And yada, yada, yada. And you know, when you set your alarm really early and you think you're awake and you're not, so I set, set the alarm for four. I was like, right, I'm going to get it so the beef ribs have rested for two hours as people arrive, and that'll be the first thing they have because yeah. you don't want it to be towards the end and people are full. Uh-huh. It's the best thing. Get in, light the Camado, go in, have a coffee and stuff, come back out, check temp. I'm at temp. Right, perfect. Saw that out, close the barbecue, put the timer on for like two hours. Like, right, I'll go get another few hours kip or I'll stay in bed or whatever. Fell asleep, alarm went off, came down, <laughs> opened the Camado and thought, what? Went back to the fridge and I'd never put the beef in. <laughs> Just wasted two hours of my life. Um, so we had to have them at the end of the meal. But I suppose what was nice is when people arrived, I was taking it out and then leaving it to rest then. So all the smells. But I was like, what a waste of my life. That 
Christmas and they charcoal. Are, you, get, you get beef ribs right. Oh, and I love them. It's the texture, I think, the flavour. I mean, it's got that brisket flavour. It's, it's, it's that same kind of meat, but the, the texture is just amazing. It's also uh, exciting. It's on the bone. It looks yeah. really exciting and impressive when you take it off as well. I love, I love beef ribs, but they're so well, much better when you put them on the barbecue. But you know what? Sometimes... <laughs> It could be four hours. Sometimes it could be eight hours. And it's almost like you're looking and going, you look the same. Why are you taking so much longer? (laughs) They're done when they're done. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, I I have one actually quite recently. Um, So I was, I fired up the Brawl King keg and I can't actually remember what I was cooking. I I think I actually had a small piece of brisket, but it was particularly fatty. Yeah. So the butcher had done me a bit of a deal, you know, to compensate for that. Trimmed as much back as I could, but it was a solid bit in the middle. The fat had started dripping down onto the charcoal basket and <laughs> I opened it up and where it hit, lit the hot coals, it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like a fireball. Yeah. Um, and I nearly boot, I nearly burnt my face off, you know, singed <laughs> all my hairs. And I haven't done that before. Um, but <laughs> stupidly then I sort of closed it and rather than you know kind of I went and faffed something else went back opened it forgot about it came up again (laughs) the worst thing about it was I jumped back but I've got a camera that looks over my my barbecue so I've actually now got it on camera me kind of jumping back from this fireball (laughs) fantastic it's the old burping yeah I've done that I think I did that for the wife's birthday a couple of years ago got the steaks on um and I tend to do this thing where they, they go two minutes, two minutes, 10 o'clock, two o'clock, two minutes, two minutes, take them off. So the decent thickness of steak, and that's a perfect cook. Um, I'd really, really, really gunned it on the, on the air. And obviously the charcoal, everything must have just been perfect. And I'd done that thing where I said to the brother, all right, you take the picture. I'm going to open the lid, do a little reel. And I'm, while I turn that steak, because it's, it's had to sear twice. So when I turn it, it's got the perfect crosses on it. I opened the lid. I put my arm in. As I put my arm in, the flames came round my arm, up the other side, and I took my arm out to get out. And then he's got, oh my god, just oh my god, you're gonna like, you know, get yourself. And, and I'm like, oh, it's fine. I just lost a bit of. And actually, and when I watched the video, it's horrific. <laughs> but it was just like a flash. It was just gone. And actually, yeah. my arm was absolutely fine. I literally ran it under the sink, and it was lost a bit of hair, but it was good to go. But when you watch the video back, it was like. Oh my God! No, we're not putting that one on social media. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, easily it's done, done, though, isn't it? That's easily the thing. Easily done, especially after a couple of beers. That's the problem. I'm I'm at my worst when I've got a group of people with me and I'm drinking beer with them and trying to talk and cook. Sometimes you just need to get the work done before they get there. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I think that's probably could lead us quite nicely onto. We've been talking about some specific ingredients going into our barbecue bingo challenge. Oof. So what I'll do is if I just share my screen, we set, we call it barbecue bingo, but it is actually just a spinning wheel. Sure. So we've just got a list of random ingredients. Yeah. Uh, firstly, hopefully none of those you are allergic to. No, uh, no allergies I'm aware of. Okay, fantastic. There's my signature dish. Now earlier Dan asked you what you're you're kind of famous for, and you you said ribs. So yeah. if that lands on my signature dish would you would that be the the, the go to? Yeah, definitely. Nice. Is there anything? Yeah. Anything in there that uh, 
you don't like the look of, or is there anything there you you really want to have a go at? Um, no, I'm easy. Just just go with it and let's see. Sounds good. Right, let's give it a spin. It was this awkward moment of silence when we're looking to pick, but this is that's different. Turkey mince. Yeah. Turkey mince. Yeah. So turkey mince is, is actually really good. Um, and we quite often would use it on things like um, doing a bolognese and stuff because turkey is that slightly healthier thing. I do love yeah. turkey on a barbecue at Christmas, but it's sometimes a thing we only have turkey at Christmas. Again, one of the things that, that we loved in Texas was the smoked turkey. Um, when we were going around places like Snow's, uh, Goldie's, Franklin's, certainly in the earlier part of the trip, by the end of the trip, we were just saying, just go out for the bare minimum, please. At the beginning of the trip, <laughs> we, were, we were super enthusiastic, going, yeah, we'll try everything. And by the end, we're going, we don't want to try everything. And they're going, no, but you've got to try it. Um, <laughs> but the smoked turkey was the one thing that stood out for me at Goldie's actually that was fantastic so um what I would try to do turkey mince is something I like to cook with as I was talking about um as a slightly healthier type bolognese that type of thing I'll certainly mix that in with some meatballs so what I would look to do would be some smoked turkey meatballs I think we go go with the turkey uh mince I'm hoping that's got enough fat in it um we would give it a good seasoning salt and pepper i'm just trying to think what we might also add to that to give it a bit more flavor a bit more life might add a little bit of uh a little bit of chili i just like a little bit of chili so we might get a little bit of chili to liven it up and um i think i would do ooh, i could either do smash burgers with that but that's a bit boring really i think i would do a version of a smoke get some smoke into that turkey mince, do some smoked meatballs and then um, almost do that as a, as a have that as smoked meatballs done on the barbecue, but then with some pasta and a, and a tomato sauce and just but get a little bit of chili in that tomato and a little bit of chili in the, in the mince and go with something like that. Sounds good. I, what I, I've never tried it before, but um, you know, like moinks, Rather yeah. than using beef mince, yeah, you do. Yeah, maybe, exactly. maybe try turkey mince. Bacon it makes everything good, doesn't it? So um, yeah, we've done done moink balls. Tried the tried the Oreo cookies wrapped in bacon. Um, there's a little phase of all these different things getting wrapped in bacon. Um, yeah, moink balls are moink balls. I've only ever done moink balls with beef. Put a bit of cheese in it, and they're okay. Um, but I think the I think I was more excited by the bacon wrap. And didn't think too much about the meatball. I think you need a bit more seasoning in the meatball because otherwise it just becomes tastes like mince. So you need to add add a bit more to it. But um, an, an interesting an interesting one to try. Marcus Marcus Borden in one of his recipe books. I can't remember if it's his first or his second book. Yeah. Um, it's essentially making like a moink, but with sausage meat, and inside is uh, inside is peach. Oh, okay. And then you cook that on the barbecue with. And I tell you what, really, really tasty. Fantastic. And just that yeah, that sweetness. Of, sweetness yeah. In the middle of the fruit. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's been fantastic to have you on, on, on the podcast, Charles. Um, and I know you've said, what, you know, a little bit about the business, but I suppose now it's 
the time for the shameless plug. Tell people where, where to, how to go onto your site, social media, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for me, not a hard plug because, you know, we do what we do. We love what we do and we love helping people. Um, also really keen to learn from other people. So if they've got ideas or want something that, you know, we haven't seen or tried before, um, you know, tanned or something we've dipped our toe in the water and come away from and, and looking for the right supplier of that, all sorts of things we look for. So really keen to help and learn, as I say, uh, with no high pressure sales. Um, website is socal.co.uk. The store's based in Southampton. Um, all the social media platforms were SoCal Barbecue Shop. But, you know, it's not about taking money. It's about joining the community. So we'd love to see it at Sizzle Fest. It's going to be a fantastic, epic day. Um, so if you're not quite sure, uh, just go and watch the video from last year because it looks awesome. It is awesome. And it's just a great group of fun people, like-minded individuals, having a great day in my car park. And, um, you know, life doesn't get better than that, really. <laughs> a ticket's still available? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we are... Um, we've probably got about a hundred tickets left for where we want to be. I don't think we've got any fear of not selling them. Um, it's that point where there's lots and lots and lots of people say, Oh yeah, I'll get my ticket. We're going to get our ticket. You know, if you want to get a ticket, get a ticket because we have a tens license, which means we can only have 500 people on site. Um, so once we hit that number, bearing in mind, we'll have about a hundred, uh, people who will be the, either working or part of the, the vendors. So yeah. that means there's only 400 tickets. So if you want a ticket, get a ticket, uh, because on the day there will be some tickets, but it'll literally be it'll be one in, one out. So no one else in until someone comes out within reason. So, yeah, don't miss out because it's going to be fantastic. And, um, you know, these things, may it may not happen every year. It doesn't mean it won't happen next year, but, you know, every year is different and things change. So, you know, just come and join in. We're going to have so much fun and we'd love to see you there. Cannot wait. We cannot wait. Owen and I pretty much bought our ticket. If we could have bought our ticket off Corky when we saw him 8am the next day, we <laughs> would have. And we we even booked our hotel what feels like a year ago. Right, Oh, It, it was yeah. like that long ago. And we loved it. it. It should be a pilgrimage for people who love barbecue. So yeah. we hope we see everyone there as well. And we look forward to seeing you there as well, Charles. Yeah, we really look forward to it. And really appreciate you guys giving us the time to come on and have a chat. Yeah, thank you so much for speaking to us. Not at all. You're very welcome. That's it for another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast. Thanks so much to Charles for coming on and talking more about barbecue business, what it's like in the industry, kind of the trends, and more importantly as well, so much excitement towards Sizzle Fest 2022. As ever, we want to hear from you on the podcast, so please email us, message us through our social media, we want to understand what you'd like to talk about on the podcast. And we have a merchandise store, so you can get your own meet and greet barbecue podcast merchandise. Head to our website, which is meetgreetbarbecuepodcast.com. Click on the store and you'll be able to see all the great merchandise you can buy. If you'd like to support the podcast, we do have a sort of GoFundMe. It's our Buy Me a Coffee, which a widget, which is on the left-hand side of our website. Anything that you donate towards the show that helps us invest back into the growing and getting more great content ready for you to listen to or watch via our YouTube channel. And until next time, keep on grilling.
Today's episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast is brought to you by AOS Outdoor Kitchens. They are the South's leading outdoor kitchen design and installation specialists. 